This week, we're taking the train to the land of mass disappearances. What in the hell happened to sometimes hundreds of people all at once? Listener discretion is always advised. All aboard the Midnight Train. Passengers, welcome to the Midnight Train, where we bring the dark to light. Yes, of course, we make fun of and joke about creepy stuff while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. And we are, you know, kind of a comedy podcast, at least we try to be. We pretend we are. Yeah, we're not comedians by any means. <laughs> but things can get kind of dark, okay? We are funny looking, though. Yeah, we are definitely. We have the face for podcasting, <laughs> yes. And stuff can get pretty dark sometimes. You know, we do talk about some pretty, uh, you know... Gross. You know, gross things, yes. So, and if that's not for you and you're not into it, listen, we get it. Give us a try. If you don't like it, that's fine. We get it. I'm your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And with me, of course, is uh, my buddy who's also into knives and forging yes. over here. We just talked a little. <laughs> it's Mr. Moody. Yeah. That's, that's me, buddy. so funny. It is. We, it's good. We've literally, we sat here and had a half, like a, hour, half hour. a half hour conversation before starting the show. <laughs> about um, uh, how we're wanting to get into like forging and, and, yeah. and doing knife like, making, making and knife making stuff and stuff like, that, like yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do a, you know, a little side bonus, or not a side bonus, but a little side podcast about our journey into the world of forging. That could be awesome, man. I, mean, I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Two idiots forging, we'll call it. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Two dumbasses with fire. <laughs> so listen, our Patreon bonus for this week, I guess we're going to be talking about what? I have a list of eight of the creepiest mythical creatures Ooh. from around the world that I found. Some of them you've heard of. Yes. Some of them you may not have heard of. Ooh. Because I've been kind of going down this rabbit hole of like random folklore creatures and like really freaky like uh, folk tales and, and stuff like that from other countries and other uh you know, religions and things like that. Yeah. So uh, it's been kind of one of those things that's, it's a rabbit hole right now. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that. So make sure you guys are signing up for Patreon, become a pooper. And if you're new here, you're like, yeah. why are you calling them that? It's because they are amazing. And it stands it. for, it stands for the people's organization of obscurities. Prayer. <laughs> You don't even know. Well, the People's Organization of Obscurities Paran and Paranormal Research. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yep. And I know I know what it means. There you go. I need to put that in my <laughs> <laughs> I made the damn thing up. I just thought it would be funny for people to, you know, want to be called a pooper. Also, are we are we going are are we officially America's second favorite podcast? We are officially <laughs> America's second favorite podcast. There it is. Absolutely. And if you guys haven't seen that, that's a new shirt coming up so you can go and over chances to are we're your second favorite. That's podcast. right. Look, we don't we don't expect to be anybody's first. We're not striving for first. You know what? We're not. I would, Have what? you ever been first at anything? Uh firstborn. That's about it. Okay, well, that wasn't your choice. Correct. I so. had no nothing to do with that. <laughs> So uh, I've uh, listen. If you're not first, you're last. All right. Fucking a, that's unless fine. you're a podcast, I'm fine and we're with second. That. That's right. I'm 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 okay with that. 
So listen, we're going to save the rest of the business stuff. Make sure to sign up for Patreon. Make sure Second to check place out. This is just the first loser. <laughs> Get over to our website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com for all your information. Yeah. In the meantime, save the business stuff to the end and let's get into this. Woo. Let's turn down the lights. Yeah. Adjust our seats. Okay. Grab a drink. We got high life, oh, baby. High life in the high house. Life. Woo. Cheers, bitch. And let's get creepy or spooky. Whatever you guys want to do. Crazy. Sure. Funky. Funky. Ooh, I like that even better. Yeah. But first, here's a toast <laughs> to all you beautiful motherfuckers. Uh, uh. Mm. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? The remix, I love it. What the oh, fuck? Oh, I was early on that one. <laughs> I love, I love how he has his own soundbite. It's so funny. It's good, man. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys aren't uh, familiar, we have a really good friend that's been on the show. Hasn't been on for a while. His name's Chainsaw, and he's a great big old son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, he is. Yeah. I mean, he's all those things. He is definitely <laughs> all those things. He's a great dude. We need to get him back on the show here soon. Chainsaw, I'll reach out to me. I know you listen to this damn thing. <laughs> it's probably easier than texting because you're probably driving anyway. Yeah. So today, we're talking about some unsolved stuff. Oh. Yes. But in a uh, little bit different way. Okay. okay. Yeah. We're talking about unexplained mass disappearances. Okay. Okay. So yeah. how is it possible that large numbers of people just disappear without a trace? I don't know. Right. Where'd they go? I don't know. Why'd they go? Could be any numerous amounts of reasons. Did somebody make them leave? Possibly. Was it Bigfoot again? Of course. Aliens? Well, yeah. Supernatural? Yeah. Could it have possibly been... Chainsaw? (laughs) 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 Well, we honestly may never know. (laughs) Chainsaws? Chainsaws, like, if you took Forrest Gump, but, like, from the beginning of time... That's mm-hmm. how I picture Chainsaw. Like all the greatest events in the history of He's mankind. He's been there. He's Accidentally. There. <laughs> we need to make that movie. Yes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> he's just driving through and all of a sudden some crazy shit's happening. That's amazing. Like he's like, he's on the Oregon Trail. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, listen, we may not ever know what happened, but that that's what we're here to talk about. Okay. We're going to discuss, speculate, and inevitably, uh, you know, make some really bad jokes. So, yeah. And we'll probably solve them because that's what we do here. Right, we do. That's typically... We've solved many mysteries here. We have. I don't think anyone takes them very seriously, though. I wouldn't either. Why not? I mean, it's us. A couple of smart fellas. Art smell us. (laughs) (laughs) So let us go back. Like, way back. Way back. Like the Wayback Machine? To like 1918. Oh, okay. When Chainsaw was uh, about 40. So we're talking about thousand. We're talking about the USS Cyclops. Aside from having a great name, it yeah. fits the bill on mass disappearances. Okay. The USS Cyclops, or the AC4, was the second of four. Is it Proteus or Proteus? Proteus. Proteus class colliers built for the United States Naval several years before World War One. So what the hell is a collier? Well, it's not a dog. It is a fancy name <laughs> for a big ass coal cargo ship, right? Yeah. The USS Langley, the first aircraft carrier in the U.S. Navy, was a converted collier. Yes, it was. This was actually the second ship to bear the name Cyclops. 
She'd been swimming around hauling coal and helping refugees between the Baltic Sea, the Bahamas, and Mexico since 1910, which is pretty cool if you think about that. Yeah. Like its main goal, or not goal, but job, I guess you'd say, is going and taking re- refugees back and forth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So in 1970, uh, 1917, she was covered, um, you know, covered, like put a cover on it to help haul troops and coal all over the world during World War One. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Great, great history. In March of 1918, the ship was given a new cargo. Tons and tons of dense manganese ore. Manganese. Used in steel making. Woo! All right. She left Brazil, loaded up with uh, the brittle metal, then voyaged to Barbados to resupply for the long journey uh, home uh, all the way back to Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore. 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 Is that how they talk about it? I don't know. Do they? Do Maryland? I don't know. Up there, they're just like, where's my crab? Isn't it's Maryland. No, I know. Yeah, they have great crab, crab up there. Oh my god, it's so fresh. It's amazing. Maryland has all the crabs. <laughs> Any Maryland listeners out there? Uh, how's your crabs? <laughs> Just asking. Send us some crab cakes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Fucking love, crab, love cakes. crab cakes. I make a mean crab cake. Do you? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do. You're you're a hell of a cook, my friend. Yeah, I'm something. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> so that is where things start to get interesting. Is on their way home to Baltimore. Oh. On the journey home, something went wrong, and the ship was never heard from again. Not even an SOS. The last known transmission from the Cyclops was, and I quote, weather fair, all well. And this was at the beginning of their trip home. Oh, sounds pretty uh So they're getting out there. Okay and, to hey, me. Weather's fair, all well. Hey, everything's good, man. Right. When the ship did not reach Baltimore, a massive search was undertaken. Every naval naval ship from Cuba to Puerto Rico was sent out to search for debris. Of course, you want to see did the ship yeah, go the down. Debris field, like, did it, was it blown know, up? Yeah. Did it blow up? <laughs> It got blowed up. It got all blowed up. At the time, uh, given, obviously, it was during the war, the general consensus was that she was, you know, sunk by the the Germans. Torpedoed! Right. But during the search... (laughs) What? What? The Germans. The Germans. (laughs) But during the search, uh, ships could not find any debris field. Did we ask the mustache? He might know. The mustache? Oh, no. We're... (sighs) I'm talking to the cook. She's not... I don't know. He's all right. He's being standoffish. And he's just so arrogant. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. He's kind of a know. jerk sometimes. I don't know. How, is he out there? Hold on. Hold hey, on. Hey, hey, mustache. Hey, come here for a sec. Fuck off. Wow. Okay. Can you just come in here and talk for a second? Matsu. Matsu been so mean to me lately. What are you? I wasn't mean to you. Bullshit. I think you know what it is. What? Did you try to shave him? Try to give him a little clip, huh? No. No? No, I would never do that oh, to him. Oh, all right. I did give him a new comb, though. <gasps> That's probably what it is. is it the, hey, is it? Is this about the comb? Not even the right side! Stupid bastard! I'm oh. sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I I promise you I'll get you a new comb. That's why it's a stupid comb! All right. All right. We're going to keep going. Jeez. I guess we're not talking. I to guess him. we're not talking to him. Anyway, he's got nothing to give up. Maybe him. next time. Fuck yourself! Jesus! Oh my god! All right, get out of here. Go, oh man. Oh what the? God. Wow. Something's wrong with him. To, we're gonna have to have a chat. Yeah, I gotta talk to, 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 to mustache later. Yeah. So anyway, they could not find any evidence that it was actually torpedoed. Right. No okay. debris. Nothing. No. In fact, no one found anything. Nothing. Fuck all. Wow. It seemed the ship just disappeared. 306 people were just on. 
Whoa. He remains 306. 306. That's crazy. Just gone. Poof. Yeah. Without a trace. With nothing. Like, not, no bodies, nothing. That's crazy. Hmm. It remains to this day the single largest loss of life in the history of the United States Navy that did not directly involve combat. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty. And crazy. they have no fucking idea. No what idea. Happened. No idea. It's just like, hey, uh, hey, chief. <laughs> yeah, what's up? We uh we lost some guys. Like what what happened? You, did they they get killed? Yeah, like like how many guys? Like two, three, or like is everything um, right? Three hundred six. I'm I'm sorry. What? Three, we lost three hundred and six guys. How do you lose three hundred and six people? Uh see, I don't know. That's the problem. Is we have no idea where they went or what happened. Don't hang out with the mustache. <laughs> That's it. Go. You. <laughs> Yeah, trying to tell your superiors Jesus, that. Dude. Yeah, like, what do you mean we lost them? We we fucking lost them. Yeah, we they're gone. So what exactly happened? Well, oh, there are theories. There you are. Know, we love our theories. We do yes, love our yes. theories. First, there was a mini conspiracy theory that the captain Ooh. sabotaged the ship or even took it all the way to Germany. Yeah. Why you ask? Why? Well, I'll tell you. It is said that the crew was unhappy with the captain. Oh. You see, Captain Worley was okay. hated by his staff and officers and was accused of being a pro-German. And at that time, you know, in a war against that them. son of a bitch. Not exactly something. Sorry, sorry, Mustang. Fuck you! God! And he's angry. Jeez, I can't believe he's still in here. So he it was discovered. To, maybe he needs to switch shampoos or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I just gave him a little comb. Maybe I just, is that like. Oh, did you? Oh, it was a little. It was a little oh, comb. Dude, yeah. he probably thought you were making fun of him. Well, he's not a big mustache. I know, but you know? still. Eh, whatever. I'll figure it out later with him. <laughs> it was discovered later that uh, Worley was actually German born and uh -oh. had changed his name at some point. Oh, that bastard. And now it's not known why he changed his name. On top of that, the U.S. Consulate General of Rio named Gottschalk boarded the ship with 73 other local sailors. That sounds German as fuck, too. Got Yes. Gottschalk was very popular with the German community in Brazil. Oh. Now, you couple this with the fact that upon leaving Brazil, the ship was said to have been overloaded, and people began to speculate. Mm -hmm. So you've got these possible German ties oh. during the midst of the war, and we've got too much shit on you. Listen, all y'all, this is sabotage. Right. That's exactly what's happening. So they say that Whirling and Gottschalk purposely sabotaged the ship in some way to favor the Germans back home. Hmm. Either that or the thought is that they essentially stole the crew and cargo and headed back to Germany, which seems plausible until you try to figure out how a few men could have forced 300 men to go back to Germany. Yeah, that's weird. And, and, and you know, like, what's the what, what purpose would that be unless they wanted all that, that manganese? I mean, yeah, that's what I would say. Maybe they were just like, all right, let's fucking maybe that's also why it was overloaded. Like, let's get as much on here as we can. Fucking steal this shit. Take it back to Germany for the war effort, bro. I mean, possibly, but I mean, that's a long trip to Germany. Yeah. That's a long trip. Yeah. So there are several theories of the ship being struck by a rogue wave or breaking up at sea. One sailor right. reported that when they reached Rio, that on the way, on the way to Rio, the deck of the ship would sway when the ship was struck with large waves. Again, it's hauling a ton of ore. Lots. Yeah. Lots and lots. He says the ship was showing signs of structural failure, which is no bueno. Could that have been the issue? Could have been. If so, and it did go down, then where's the debris? Yeah, you would still think that there'd be some sort of, you know, like a life jacket or a fucking... A body. Anything, yeah. Yeah, any, and you know what I mean? Unless it went straight to the bottom, but then... But even still, you're thinking, like, there's shit on that ship that floats. 
You know what I mean? Like a life ring or a preserver, something would would, would anything float. like yeah. something would have yeah. to have floated. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. So another theory was that the ship was overloaded and ran to, into a storm in which the unstable ship overturned and sank to the bottom of the ocean. That's what I just said. Mm-hmm. Again, though, like you said, why no debris? There's there nothing. should be something out nothing. there. For a BBC Radio 4 documentary, Tom Mangold had an expert from Lloyd's investigate the loss of the Cyclops. And Lloyd's is the, uh, the insurance big, place, big right? insurance, yeah. The big yeah. one. What is it? Lloyd's of... Lloyd's of London. Lloyd's of London, yeah. yeah. They insure, like, oh, multi... <laughs> Lloyd's of London. <laughs> oh, I, think I'm, I think I'm more upset that I didn't catch that first. <laughs> Damn it. It's amazing. But yeah, so they they uh, basically insure like huge multi-billion dollar Everything, things. Like anything that's like ridiculously expensive, that's yeah. like what they do. So the uh, the expert noted that manganese ore, being much denser than coal, had room to move within the holds even when fully laden, as in laid down. So hat- like it would shift. Right. Yeah. The hatch covers were canvas and that uh, when wet, the ore could actually become a slurry, which I didn't know about that. I didn't either. Yeah. So it's it crazy. actually kind of turns into like a- Like a mush. Like a ugh, Like a flit. Yeah. yeah, like a roux. <laughs> I do like a good roux, though. Manganese roux. Oh, yeah, doesn't sound edible. As <laughs> such, the load could shift and cause the ship to list. And if it was overloaded, yes, then you get all that shit moving to one side. Right. And what is listing? Well, listing is caused by the off-center line distribution of weight aboard due to uneven loading or by flooding. I know people with a list. <laughs> Oh my god, I was gonna say a Mike Tyson joke. Did you see him? He's beat the shit out of some guy in an airplane. Yeah, and then he got into it with a lady too. I didn't see the lady. Some lady, I mean, he didn't do anything, but like, I guess she was like getting too close to him and like she almost like poked his eye out essentially. Yeah, I didn't see that. He like, he like, they show the video, he like turns around like he's about to fucking eye her, and like security comes in, they're like, oh, okay, let's go, let's go over here. But then one of the airplane. That dude, I'm sorry. He was asking for I it. don't condone he was asking for it. violence, really. Don't fuck with Mike Tyson. But yeah, don't all, do all that. Come on. Gonna, yeah. All the people you're going to fuck with. That's like that guy. Like, you ever see that video of the dude that's fucking with, like, the uh, the tiger? And he's like, trying to tease it, and all of a sudden, just reached out and grabbed his fucking arm. Well, you deserve that. That's shit. what you get for fucking around. And Mike Tyson is the tiger in this situation. Yep. And he, he lit him up. Yep. <laughs> he was just antagonizing the whole time. At the end, it's like, oh, he was trying to do is get an autograph. Then fucking ask him for an autograph. <laughs> right. Don't stand over Excuse him. Excuse me. Fucking bother Mr. Tyson, him. may I have your autograph, please? See, now I'm to- if I ever meet Mike Tyson, I'm totally asking for him. <laughs> but from, like, behind somebody. Mr. Tyson, <laughs> can I get... I know. I know you can't hear me. You're across... Can I get an autograph? Just send it over with somebody? Yeah. That'd be great. Thank you. Do me a favor. Can you, can you tap him on the shoulder? <laughs> yeah, I know it's Mike Tyson. Can, can you tap, can you tap him? You might want to duck. When you <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tap and I duck. I just want to. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Again, you're you're I poking think you'd the bear. Be fine if you don't fuck with him. Yeah, you're poking the bear. That's it. Literally. So anyway, the list is again is the off center line distribution. Okay, so that's the way yeah. aboard there. Where in contrast, a roll is the opposite thing of that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. list is this way. Mm-hmm. Roll is, or wait, no, list is this way. It's forward and forward backwards. And backwards. Where in a, and I guess what happens is as you're, um, if you try to turn the boat or if like you hit a wave or something like that, everything shifts. Yeah. And when it shifts, you can't turn or you can't straighten can't out. Can't do anything, yeah. And so basically you you're end fun. up sinking. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's just, just what happens, mm-hmm. I guess. 
What had happened was. See, what had happened was. What had happened The manganese made a slurry. <laughs> and it went all over the place. So I, I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of funny. So that combined with a possible loss of power from its one engine, because it only has one engine, which I, I don't know why it says that. Do, do, do ships have multiple engines? Usually, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this one didn't. It could fill with water and go down in bad weather. So if they hit inclement weather, then it's it's very possible. I would assume like a big ship like that would have a couple like at least like power, like all working together to power. You know what I'm saying? I, I could be wrong though. I but remember, idea. it's an old wooden ship. <laughs> oh, its sails were down. <laughs> Fucking mast broke. So then there's our personal favorite. Yeah. The Bermuda Triangle just straight fucked it right up. Oh yeah. With the aliens and just took it. I mean, what that's else right. would it be? Yeah, that's right. That's right. This this happened in the uh, infamous Bermuda Triangle. So, um, did. Uh, did we talk about that when we actually did the Bermuda Triangle episode? I don't know if we talked about this one. Okay. If we did, it was just a passing mention. So, of course, there are numerous theories involving the Bermuda Triangle and supernatural goings on. Most of these Bermuda Triangle theories involve either aliens coming down and abducting ship and crew, or aliens under the ocean coming up and claiming the ship for themselves. I'm definitely on the ladder on that versus the former. Really? Yeah. I, I, I do believe You that. think they came out of the ocean? Yeah, them? absolutely. I think if there's... Okay. I feel like that would be the most plausible... Uh, I, I I don't think you could take... Uh, how are you going to beam up a goddamn fucking Cyclops, dude? Scotty did it. He didn't beam up a whole fucking warship. I wonder if he could. Maybe. I'm giving it all I got, Captain. I just don't have the power. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes, I do believe that uh, if there are aliens on Earth, they are definitely hiding in the ocean. That's that's this. I feel thing. like it's a good place for them. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> so we, have, of course, here at the train, well, most definitely Moody, um, think that this is the most plausible explanation. Of course, of course, I do. right? Of Absolutely. Course. I mean, I don't understand what else there would be. So I want to know what our listeners think. Do you guys think it was aliens? I mean, they should. Yeah, it was probably aliens, right? Of course it was aliens. Okay. So up next here, we're heading up to the Great White North. Yep. For those of you Great who don't White know, North. yeah, we're, we're going back to Canada. Hey. Hey. You know, America's hat. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know it was called that. Canada's America's hat. I always thought it was our nice uh, neighbors upstairs. Oh. No? Oh. oh, whatever. I mean, they are the nice neighbors upstairs. They are. They're so nice. Anyway, we're looking at uh, the lake. Oh, boy. Uh, and Jacuni incident. Um, I'm probably mispronouncing the as I always do. Uh, the telling of this mystery was taken from uh, mystery, uh, MysteriousTrip.com. Yeah. This is actually one that you have on our list of uh, episode ideas. Does, does I? So I, I threw it in here. Oh. Yeah. So Anjakuni Lake, or Anjakunai Lake, whatever, we're just going to go with it, is uh, located deep in the um, Kivali, Kivali, Kivalig area of rural Nunavut in Canada. Oh, my God. I am so sorry, Canada. Oh, we have a lot of listeners up in Canada, too. Yeah. And I'm sorry I'm butchering yeah. everything that you guys do. I'm sorry. 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 I love poutine, by the way. Dude, my kids. I say it all the time. I make, but. I make, uh, my, my wife and kids, like, force me to make it because, like, I, I make my own fries and shit. And yeah, yeah, make, you were telling me about it. Yeah. They fucking love it. And I, they force, and I hate making it because it's such a pain in the ass. Because make your own make, cheese curds and stuff, too? I have on occasion. Oh boy! <clears throat> Remember when I made that uh, the milk liquor? Yeah, 
I, I, I we made poutine with the cheese curds from that. Oh, yeah. was it good? Yeah, it was fucking amazing. Yeah, I bet it's really good, dude. Making me hungry. So, place near the Kazan River, the lake is a uh, is perfect for fishing and trout. Uh, and Jakuni uh, fastly became a home for the Inuit tribe. It developed soon into a colony and became more po- or popular uh, almost instantly on a cold November day um, in uh, 1930. Okay? okay. That's when everybody just, uh, you know, yeah, let's go there. Yeah. So Why Joe not? LaBelle. Oh. This guy. You related to Patty? Might be. Okay. It's possible. It's a question. Yeah. Well, he's a Canadian fur trapper, or was. This is back in the 30s. Was more, and he was more than uh, efficient in, you know, in, in doing his whole outdoor activity thing. Yes. You know, he was very familiar with the area. He knew that the people acquainted with the Inuit stories of, uh, you know, wood ghosts, <laughs> the woodsmen, <laughs> hey, <laughs> that were reportedly harmful. And this remote part <laughs> was soaked in the tales of the Wendigo. Oh. So not only does he know, you know, the area and stuff like that. And he has heard these stories of wood ghosts and the Wendigo, you know, which this we have is talked the about. Second episode in a row where we have a woodsman, a woodsman, this guy in the corner, <laughs> got his wang out, <laughs> eyeballing you down. He's walking. He's like, I'm going to go see these Inuits. <laughs> Smack you. This is my favorite little village up here. Every way of killing is a mushroom stamp. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. So LaBelle generally didn't have any fear or anxiety. However, oh, for him. this specific night at the lake became different. Oh, The full moon was casting a spooky luminosity all over the village, and no one was moving. The huskies that were usually loud with the influx of travelers were quiet as well. The only sound he could hear was of his own steps made in the snow on the concave reverb of his greeting. Oh, wow, that's nicely put. That is very poignant. Yes. Wow. Well read. Yes. He quickly understood something was not normal, and he started investigating as soon as he entered the village. The village was in complete silence, and he could see no one. That's got to be creepy as fuck. Yeah. You went into like an entire like little village. And it's just, yeah. You ever seen uh, 30 Days a Night? I love that movie. Yes. That's one of my favorite vampire movies. Yeah. It's same. same. I, I feel like it's look. completely under... I feel like it flies under the radar. Uh, I did so not... So good, though. I didn't like the second one. I never saw the second one. Yeah. I didn't want to ruin the first one. Yeah. It it just ugh, it was yeah. eh, meh. it was more a uh, Josh Harnett well because he died he at the in, end. Yeah, I was to say he wasn't. Yeah, in he it. wasn't in it. Yeah, which <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> hey, if you haven't seen it by now, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. I I did watch uh, recently. Speaking of um, Harnett, I just watched uh, the new what is his name? Jason Statham movie. It's like uh, okay. the Wrath of Man, and he's in it. Oh, oh, I've heard of that. Is Josh it Harnett's in it. Yeah. I like Jason. I thought it was cool. It was actually uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. Oh. Yeah, which I was surprised by. It's going to be decent if that's the case. Yeah. So uh, the acting was, um, I'm going to say, subpar. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sub, sub, subpar. Did you ever see the Meg? Bush Bush League. I have not. It's not bad. I actually heard it was pretty cool. They're making a sequel. Oh, boy. It's not bad, though. Like, I wasn't wasn't expecting much. The entire concept of it, I'm just like, really? You know? I thought it was pretty cool, man. It's just like Jaws, but bigger. Yeah, but like, did you you know like how how they how they nope. found them? And stuff I know like that? nothing about any of that. It's it's really cool, man. Yeah, it's a cool concept. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, he gets there. The place is dead silent. Right, nothing going on. He's kind of like, well, what the hell's going on here? You know what I mean? Somebody right here. <laughs> Something. Where, where am I anyways? <laughs> Something is wrong. So no noise of conversation or laughter was detected. Nothing. Hello. The woodsman's here. <laughs> where you guys at? What's worse was the complete <laughs> lack of smoke originating from chimneys that denoted the presence of living beings. In other words, it's cold. It's November. You're in the far north. Yes. 
Um, you're probably gonna have a fire burning if there are people around. Yeah, maybe. I'm just I'm just saying. Just you know. So Joe noticed a fire at a distance and went toward it to inspect. The fire seemed to be burning for a significant amount of time. Upon further investigation, he found that someone started their supper preparations. So we're getting ready to make some dinner. Oh, good, good. However, they didn't finish making it. Oh. Which you gotta be in a hurry to just if your food's out. Yeah, something. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean, yeah. like something's got to be going on. Look, I'm a fat guy, and if I'm making dinner, something's I'm wrong. Fucking finishing my goddamn dinner. <laughs> and if you don't, something's wrong. Yeah, something severely insane happened. Yeah, absolutely. So Joe continued towards the village, ready to bump into someone who could, uh, you know, tell him what was really happening there. Stepping out of his uncontrollable feelings, he began an investigation into the Inuits' homes to search for any clues related to the silence, and made a sudden and quick decision to get the f out. Right. So he goes into these houses. He's just like. Uh, hello? Are you, are you in there? Where are you at, man? Wait, so he's the woodsman? Is yeah. that what, Oh, I didn't know. He is a woodsman. Joe's the woodsman or a woodsman? He's, a, he's another woodsman. Oh, so there's multiple woodsmen is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's weird. He found that several homes were well stocked with food and weapons. He further found a burnt meal in another house. In one spot, he found a, re, uh, a repair of a junior seal skin that was yet to be finished. Sadly, he couldn't conclude anything, so he couldn't figure anything out. And seal skin is what they kind of use for, like, their canoes and stuff, right? Yeah, and clothing. In and certain like parts of Clothing whatever. and things of that nature. Yeah, right, right, right. Because remember, it's cold, and, you know, you get kill the seal, you eat the seal, you use their skins. That's what they did back in the day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, probably yeah. still do. Yeah. I would imagine there's probably some people up there that are do that. The, the natives yeah, up probably. there. Yeah, I know they, they don't. I guess uh, Eskimo is a yeah. That's like derogatory. That's derogatory, yeah. now, right? Yeah. Why, why is that? I'm just asking. Honestly, I don't honestly, know. No honestly don't know. I don't know. Uh, I never really looked into it. I just know that you're not supposed to say it anymore. Yeah. So I yeah, whatever. That's why I went to native. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. That's what they're they're native. Yes. Uh, they're natives. Yes, they're native. So I think is a better word for it. Yeah, of course. Or or <clears throat> now or, or indigenous. Indigenous is good. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, as there wasn't any conclusive answer concerning what took place, it must certainly have been an unexpected event that spread widely and involved all 30 men, women, and children in the village. So, it's a small village. Yeah, people. there's only like 30, 35 right. people in it. Food, clothing, and weapons were left behind, but why? There was no answer. More investigation directed him to a pair of findings that was enough to give him goosebumps, to the extent that he was able to tell whatever happened had happened recently. He examined the entire village and found no new traces in the snow apart from his own. The most ghastly discovery he made was of the dogs. Seven of them had starved to death. Mm-hmm. So that means you, that a, means you let they left and didn't even take their dogs. Right, away. and I read a different account um, to where he didn't find the dogs, but when he called the RCMP, which is the Mounties, uh, when they got there, they discovered the dogs like under a bunch of snow. So uh, I'm not really sure what the uh, I'm not really sure what the you know. Who actually found them? But they found they did find uh, like seven. This dog starved to death. Kind of messed up. Yeah. This evidence was enough to persuade him to head to the nearest telegraph office, located farther away. That would mean that Joe had to overlook basic requirements such as shelter and food. However, he was in a hurry to leave the place and seek assistance, so he didn't even gather up any. He was like, oh yeah. shit, I gotta go find some. Yeah, he didn't grab any food or this warm is, clothes. This is way or... over the woodsman's pay grade. <laughs> As beaten and frostbitten as LaBelle was, he finally stumbled into the telegraph office. In a few minutes, he sent an emergency re- uh, message to the nearest RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Camp. By the time the Mounties reached, many hours later, LaBelle had calmed himself enough 
to talk about his distressing stories. Okay. Yep. We, we, we're all on the same page here. We know what we're talking um, about. Yes. Guy goes out, finds a empty that village. He, he, so he apparently knew the village. He right. knew of the village. Like this was a, a village that he had been to numerous times. He knew kind of what was going on there. And he gets there. And there's nobody there. Gone. Yeah. Somebody left in the middle of dinner, and somebody left a burnt meal, and they, the dogs were starved, and crazy. Just weird, though. Okay, so, in, I don't know. So, he found a fire that had just either gone out or was so it had smoldering to, yeah, So, out. that had to have been somewhat recent. So, then how did the dogs starve so quickly? You know what I mean? I don't know. This reminded me of like the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, like that's what it reminds like me. Like maybe of. did somebody else come across the village and try to start a fire and make some food because they mean, they found food there and they were like, you know what I mean, and then they just left. Possible. I mean, I wasn't there, dude. You know what I mean? I'm I'm sorry, I wasn't there. I don't know. We you know we should call Chainsaw. Was he the woodsman? Oh my just God. Chainsaw the woodsman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> chainsaw oh, is no. the woodsman. Dude, see, we're solving mysteries. Yep, all day, every day. That's what we do here, folks. So according to 1984's article, and I love the name of this article, The World's Most Significant UFO Mysteries, written by Roger Bohr and Nigel Blundell, the Mounties... Blundell. Hey, Blundell, what's up, buddy? I just pulled a Blundell. (laughs) The Mounties went on their way to the uh, Angakuni Lake Mystery, took a bit of time to rest at a shack alongside a trapper and his two sons. Oh. You know, they were like, well, we're not in any hurry. No. They're already on. Yeah, fucking. Yeah, like they man, disappeared. What I'm do not, I mean? I'm not stressing. You stressing? Yeah, no, not I'm, at all. I'm not stressing. Should we stop here? I mean, I yeah, let's stop here. All right. Cool. <laughs> Get a BLT or something. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love a good BLT. I just made them the other day. Oh, they're yeah. so good. I love them. I love them. Extra tomatoes for me. Okay. Mm, I love okay. tomatoes. Damn it. So anyway, they explained to the trapper and his sons that they were heading towards um Anjakuni Lake to solve a quote unquote problem. The Mounties asked the trapper if he had seen anything strange in the past few days. Upon asking his, uh, the question, the trapper was compelled to admit that he and his two sons had noticed an eerie, luminous object flying all over the sky a few days ago. Uh-oh. He further stated that he had seen giant, gleaming, quote-unquote, flying objects Uh-oh. changing shape right before their eyes. Changing. Ooh. And this object was flying toward the village of Anjakuni Lake. Oh, oh boy. snap. Bam, bam, bam. I just wanted to do it. I was going to say, my, you have a button. I know, that. but I just kind of wanted to do it myself that time. That works. I just want to do it myself. <sighs> oh, Excuse wow. Me. That's, Sorry. that's called the Miller Halife right yeah. there. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, did this event actually really happen? I'm going to say yes. Okay. Well, is it possible that maybe LaBelle was making this up? I'm going to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) So according to Skeptoid.com, and of course, you know, we look at both sides of things. You guys know at this time. we got to be fair. That's right. right? We're not, as much as I think it's aliens. Right. I got to be fair. Correct. We we have to kind of look at both sides here. Yes. So here are a number of things about the Joe LaBelle story that raise red flags. For one thing, it happened in November when average temperatures up there are uh, right around 13 degrees Celsius. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, below freezing. So that's, that is well below freezing. Yeah, that's cold. It's like negative 60 degrees. Yeah, it's cold. What is it? 15 below in Celsius? 13. That's 13 exactly. degrees, that's yeah. It's got to be like negative 60, Aww. right? So Anjakuni Lake is a sheet of ice. So kayaks pulled up on the uh, beach would not be, uh, you know, quote unquote, battered by wave action, as he said they were. The very presence of kayaks so far inland is also suspect, though not impossible. 
Migratory Inuit would often park their kayaks to hunt caribou. These eastern uh, ah, Igloolik kayaks were Oh, I made... take that back. I was way off. It's, oh. it's eight degrees. It's still cold. Still, yeah, I mean, it's almost zero. <laughs> yeah, that's cold. You were like, what if that's like was, 800 degrees below zero. I was looking at it the, I was looking at it the opposite way. Because I was thinking that it was, yeah, I was. You I'm, mean yeah. backwards? What? Or upside down? The opposite way. Right. Correct. What are you saying? Exactly. Oh, okay. So, um, they use seal idiot. skin. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he, you know, he said that he saw seal skin over, you know, their. Seal skin? They're stretched over willow branches. But the small um, Angakuni Lake is landlocked so far inland on the Barrens that neither willow nor seal skin were actually available. And this would be by far the farthest inland that the historical use of uh, the Igloolik kayaks would have ever been documented. It's not imp- impossible, but they're just saying it's very, very highly unlikely okay. that that all of that would have transpired there. Right. You know, okay. you guys following me there? Following. LaBelle described a permanent settlement, a, quote, friendly little Eskimo village of about 30 inhabitants that he'd known you can't, you can't say that. for many years. What? Oh, I didn't. I, I, that's a, I said, quote. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I All didn't right. say I'm just, that. I don't want to get in trouble. Joe's the asshole. He is an asshole. I'm just saying. I, I didn't say that. So anyway, he <laughs> says he'd, uh, he'd actually known them and that this place for, you know, quote unquote, many years. Right? Right. I mean, he's a trapper. He, he, he's got his little place that he goes. Right. So a statement from the Mounted Police says, quote, a village with such a large population would not have existed in such a remote area of the Northwest Territories. I mean, why, why not, though? I know. I said the same thing. Yeah. They had uh, they had less seal skilled uh, seal skin garments behind in a region where there was caribou hide rather than seal skin, and as a trapper, Labelle should have been able to identify it properly. So there was either a series of quite improbable circumstances, or Labelle was full of shit. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So today, no physical evidence exists of a village at Ang- Angakuni Lake, like at all, and nobody has ever published an account of going up there and clearing away any remnants. So we have to rely on documentary evidence to find the true history of the vanishing village. So yeah, there's that. So with all the contradictory uh, contradictory evidence, what is real and what's not? Was there a group of Inuits that completely disappeared, or was it just bullshit? Could it be a combination of both? And the truth is somewhere in the middle, or is it? Who yeah. knows? I feel like either uh, way. That's, personally, personally, yeah. I, I feel like it's a combination of the two. Like I think, I think the dude just fucked up the story because, like, I don't know if he was, I don't know. I, I just. But how do we? You know what I mean? We don't know. We have no, no idea. No, we don't. I feel. I feel like something happened. I feel like that maybe there was like maybe a little village up there, like the people that were maybe like nomadic, but they would settle there on their way through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because <clears throat> I was also reading a thing that that said that um, some of the Inuits would portage their canoes over long distances. Yeah. Which would explain the uh, the random canoe that doesn't normally, the random type of canoe that doesn't normally go there. Okay. Maybe it was a group that, like a nomadic people that like kind of go back and forth through the area and they just, they happen to kind of meet up with this guy. You know, maybe it wasn't a permanent settlement. What if Joe was a mass murderer and just wiped out the entire village and came up with the story? You never know, man. I mean, it's possible. It is. Stranger things have happened. They have. Speaking of which, Stranger Things. So obviously, you're a big fan of um, Small Town Murder. And, yes, you know, I was listening to that on the way over. Actually, so um, are you a Patreon member for them? I was. I'm not anymore. Okay. So they did a uh, you know one of their bonuses for Small Town, uh, mm-hmm. and it was about Dahmer. And of course, huh. I, you know, I pretty much 
I, I, I would say I'm well versed well, on from, the story from, from being around here of Dahmer. Yeah, you know, right. And because uh, he grew up not that far from here. Yeah, so. there was a lot of stuff that they were throwing out that I was like, "What?" That yeah. I had no idea about. Really? So they actually read the. Uh, so I guess one of the detectives who um, interviewed him and like you know got him to like confess and stuff like that wrote a book. Okay. And it's all. I'm, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get the book. All right, I think I want to read it. Um, <laughs> Rilling Dahmer. Interesting <laughs> choice of words. I know it's so bad, but it's 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 interesting because it's uh, literally the transcripts of his conversations of his between him and, yeah. and I. Listen, Dahmer. Fuck that guy. All right, fuck him. He was an interesting cat, though. But man. he was. He's one of. The, he is the outlier when it comes to serial killers. There, there's always going to be that like outlier in anything. Oh yeah, he is, without a doubt, an outlier. He a hated himself for doing it. Yeah, he was always apologetic. He always was like he felt so bad about. Yep. Like, he wasn't doing it for super any, like soft spoken. Yep. Just, like he was doing it more because he was just so lonely. The guy was like broken, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he was yeah. broken. It's not like he was just going out and killing you know, random prostitutes because, you know, like the Green River or anything like yeah. that or that other asshole from uh, the Golden State or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just it's just really interesting and by no means am I giving the guy a pass in any way. Fuck him. He killed people. Fuck him. You know, yeah, fuck yeah. off. Whatever. But even as he died, because he died in prison. Yeah, they beat the shit out of him. Well, one guy did. Yeah. One guy killed another guy in front of Dahmer and Dahmer didn't do anything about it. He just stood there. And when the guy came over and was like at, at getting ready to hit Dahmer, he didn't even defend himself. No, he just let it happen. He let it happen. Like the, like he wanted to die. You know what I mean? I'm sure he did. Well, he did say that at one point in time. He's like, I should just be put to death. He's like, I, I'm, I'm horrible. But dude, some of the shit that he did is fucked up. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like dicks and formaldehyde. Oh, yeah. He, he and, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, hey, you know what? You listen to the show, whatever. Um, I guess at one point in time, he would he murdered one of the the victims he took their skin um and and basically he like baked their skulls and stuff yeah yeah but he took one of the guys um penises and um basically like stuffed it and like made it like an actual whatever and he used to um uh, um fillet it yeah after the fact okay yeah very nice <laughs> Anyway, I don't know why I even thought of that just now as we were talking about it, but yeah, he's a uh, he's a uh, ooh yeah. I'm serious. I was at work today and they were like, and I was just listening to it as I'm like working or whatever, and I heard that part and I was like, damn, <laughs> I'm like oh my god. Anyway, so now we're heading to Brazil and the village of Huer Verde. Come again, Huer Verde. Okay, or Huer Verde. Huer Verde. Huer Verde. That makes more sense. Right. So we got the following info mostly from coolinterestingstuff.com. The mysterious legend of Horror Verde. Verde. Horror Verde. Horror Verde. It's a town with 600 inhabitants that vanished. Okay. And it's certainly confusing and troubling. And it's it's kind of messed up. It's kind of, it's messed up. It's a crazy story. Yeah. So the case will cause you to ask questions. You know, things like uh, how can anything like that ever happen with uh, absolutely no evidence to suggest anything unusual actually happened. You know, like some uh, so many legends from the area, information on Rio Verde is uh, difficult to track down. But what information is accessible is not only disturbing, but incredibly perplexing. 
As visitors to the village entered the small town, they were immediately struck down or struck by how dead everything was, just like with Joe in that other place. Right. Unlike other villages of 600, and that's a lot. Okay, the place where Joe, Patty LaBelle's cousin, went to, <laughs> there was 30 people. people. This is 600. 600. You know what I mean? That's a lot. It's a substantial amount of people. It's like the amount of kids I grew. That's actually less than the amount of kids I graduated with, I think. Oh. Either yeah. way, that's like a lot of people. I, I think I only graduated with like 150. I think, really? I think. I think I was. I've been less was, than that. Mine was high. I went to a podunk. Where'd little. you go? Well, Is I, that in West well I went to, no, here. I went to high school in Wellington, but I graduated uh, from Midview. Uh, and both of them are. Oh, yeah. And this is in, in the 90s. I graduated wasn't. from Strongsville, so. Oh, yeah. That's, everyone out there is right now. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Sorry. Rich <laughs> you bunch of rich bastards. <laughs> so, again, uh, you know, nobody's walking the streets. There's nothing going on in this little town, and, and it's supposed to be inhabited by 600 people. Hmm. Hanging signs waved in the gentle wind, creaking no, no, nah, noisily juxtaposed with the uneasy footsteps and subdued whispers of those passing through. Just the word juxtaposed in there. Just, it's a good word. Yeah, it's a good word. It, people don't use it enough. As they passed by local houses and looked in the windows, it was evident immediately that something just wasn't right. No one was anywhere to be seen. The police were called and investigators descended onto the town to look through the village. As they came to the town school, they found a gun, which they took to be forensically examined. And then the investigators looked to the, uh, the blackboard on which the words, quote, there is no salvation were written. After a cursory examination, they realized that it had the gun had actually been fired the day before, but by whom they were unsure. So let's just put this in your guys' head here. Empty ass town. People come to investigate, police or whomever come to investigate. They go to the school, they find a gun that's been recently fired, and then those words, there is no salvation written on the blackboard. Right. Like it's something out of a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. So a manhunt ensued for the 600 uh, villagers in the small town. Despite this, no trace of any of the locals was ever unearthed. As news, uh, newspapers report of the uh, the town's disappearance, or as the report reached uh, the West, it was con uh, considered a curiosity, but with the shifting political climate of Brazil in 1923, it was considered possible that the town had evacuated to avoid conflict with gorillas. And not like, not like, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, gorillas. No, no, uh, G... Is it G-U-E? G-U, yeah. G-U-E-R-I-L-L-I-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-
What? There's some theories. Oh, theories. So let's start with the most bizarre theory that is just floating around there. <laughs> this theory states the 600 residents of Hurdy Verdi were swallowed by a black hole, taking them all the way to the fourth dimension. <laughs> yes, that is actually a theory. Which yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that's the theory that. And, uh, and listen, right now I'm loving this theory just because uh, you know the new uh, Doctor Strange is coming out. Oh my god, I can't wait! This I know. Friday, I know. Friday it comes out. Yeah, oh, god, go. the thing has already sold forty million dollars in pre-sale tickets. Seriously, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to wait like two weeks. I'm oh yeah, go. dude, I'm, gonna, go with all those I'm gonna wait till it's on freaking. Because uh, I got my new theater. I think it'll be on streaming shortly after that. It, yeah, usually about two or three months. Yeah, if even that. Now the not. way they're doing things now, it might even be sooner than that. Yeah, I got my new theater set up in my living room, dude. I'd rather stay at home and watch movies yeah. than go out. Like they got the new, the new, uh, the new Evil Dead's coming out later this year, and it's going straight to HBO Max or whatever. Oh wait, hold on, New Evil Dead. Yeah, Evil Dead Rise, a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce, he's not in it. Oh mother, him and Sam Raimi. Uh, I can't remember the guy who's directing its name, but basically the guy who's directing it was handpicked by Raimi. It's a direct, it's basically like a direct sequel to the other ones. Like it's, it's Evil Dead 4 basically. But it's not like the new Evil Dead. It's, it's the, not the reboot. No, no, no. This is a, this is like it's a direct a sequel, sequel to the original. the original. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm down. And uh, like Raimi and Bruce Campbell are like on board as like, produ- like executive producers or helping okay. out and everything like that. But cool. So along those lines here, talking about the fourth dimension, there's the inevitable, of course, alien abduction talk. Woo! Could aliens have really come down and taken 600 people? The answer to that question is absolutely. Right. I look to you for the answers yes. for all those. That is, that is a big yes. Yes. The next theory uh, people point to is the political landscape in Brazil leading to soldiers or revolutionaries forcing all of the villagers to evacuate. Okay. It seems a Sounds little plausible. more probable. The only thing is the villagers disappeared in 1923. There was no civil war going on at the time. Oh. As uh, it's sometimes referred to with, you know, with the legend. You know, sometimes they're like, mm-hmm. oh, in the civil war, yeah, there, there was, was no yeah. war happening yeah. at this time. Also, the revolution didn't occur until 1930, oh. and another occurred in 1932. In neither case was a village of 600 people reported to be wiped out or relocated. So I was reading about that, and um, you would think, like, well, yeah, why would they report that they wiped out 600 people? But apparently, um, during that time, like, the revolutionaries and, and soldiers and everything like that apparently kept very good records of the people that they moved and displaced and the villages that they, they did, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, there's actually apparently pretty good records about what they did, and there was no records of, of a 600-person village okay. that was taken or whatever. All right. All right. Like, moved or, yeah. Okay. And then there's the issues of the names of the towns, which it, this actually had me kind of giggling a little bit. I know, yeah. right? Yeah. One town is completely nameless in the legend, while uh, is a rather strange name for a village or town in Brazil. <laughs> now, for one, Verde translates to green from Portuguese to English. Right. But Hur, which is hilarious because of the word, is not a word in Portuguese. Nope. It seems to be a Dutch word that is a derogatory word for sex workers. So, you know, whore. Whore. It's whore. But I didn't want to say that at the beginning. So, welcome to my town of green whore. (laughs) (laughs) The people next door call it syphilis. Green horn. So what it, that's basically what it comes down to. I know, it's awesome. Second, the legend states the town has been forgotten to time, but one source we found says that they were able to find multiple lists of towns and villages de- dating back to the 16th century for Brazil. No name comes even close to Hurdiverde except for Ouro Preto, 
which translate to, uh, translates to black gold, and the history for it goes back to 1698. So very, mm-hmm. very, very long history for that one. Mm-hmm. So this story is pretty crazy, of course, right? Yeah. Well, it turns out it may also be uh, completely made up. Yeah. Wow. So there's been a research dive that traces the origins of the story to a fairly recent article in a sketchy Russian newspaper written by a man named Mikhailov Andrei. Yes. Yes. With this guy in a, uh, perspective, in the same article, he blames the disappearance at uh, the colony of Roanoke on, yeah, on protoplasm coming from the ocean and devouring the people of the colony. <laughs> yes. He claims it happens every few millennia. Yeah. So while oh, the myth well, of mean, her, of course, <laughs> while the myth of her diverde lives on, it may just be a simple myth. Which what a nut job! <laughs> yeah, I got. I want to like look up this dude's. We we do need to. We've never done the Roanoke one. We should definitely do a, an episode on Roanoke. I, I know we had talked about it, and that's why I didn't include it in this because yeah, I was. I was like, did we do? I a, thought at some point in time they kind of like debunked that whole thing. Yeah, pretty. I mean, there's a lot of like very so. plausible theories about what happened. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, obviously, we can still talk about it. It was protoplasm from the sea, dude. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. <sighs> See, we did it again. We solved, solved it. it. Solved it again. We found it. The Russian guy figured it out. Russian We're guy. reporting it to everybody. Yep. yep. Protoplasm. Oh, 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 sorry. Side note again. <laughs> um, I was listening to Time Suck this past week. Yeah. Uh, love Dan Cummins. Love Time Suck. Make sure you guys are listening to, uh, to Time Suck. Uh, he did a, an episode on uh, Putin. Oh, I saw that. I didn't listen to it. He though. is not a fan. Oh, And no. he basically just. I don't know how you could be. No, of course you can't be. And he went through and was just talking about him the entire time. And wow. What a. Steaming yeah. pile oh, of yeah. fuckery. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway, moving on. Next up, we're going to look at the uh, uh, Machi? Machi or Moki? I think it's Moche. Mo- Mo- oh. Mochi? Moche? Moche. I like that even better. The Moche civilization. Yeah. Information for this tale we got from an article on Foders.com. The Moche culture remains one of the most mysterious unknowns of Peruvian history, and with, one, uh, with the more prominent Incas filling up most of the pages in the history books, the Moches do not receive as much attention, which I don't think I've ever even heard of the Moches before. I I believe I've come across the name a few times. Like I didn't I didn't know anything about them. Like it, I knew the name from somewhere. Like I'm sure I've read an article or something about them or saw a TV show. Well, I obviously didn't know how to pronounce it, but then again, that's nothing new. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I was say, like, yeah, is that supposed to mean that's something? status quo over here. <laughs> so the Moche believed in gory human sacrifice and produced famously beautiful pottery. <laughs> Ah, you know, Jesus. Sorry. (laughs) It's like they make these beautiful pots and they kill people (laughs) in gory ways. Gory ways. Yeah. Uh, They built huge, bizarre brick pyramids and had a complex and efficient irrigation system. Some of the aqueducts are actually still in use today, which Which is pretty cool. Fucking cool. Yeah, that's really cool. All researchers uh, can glean from the Moche civilization is through a collection of artistic masterpieces from archaeological digs. Writings from Spanish invaders, uh, the Moche did not use a predominant written language. And to be honest, if you go w- uh, back far enough, it's really written language. Really, isn't that? It, it's fairly new. Yeah, it's a fairly new concept. Yeah. I mean, in the, the gamut of things. Sure. You know, like you go back to the you know first or fucking Sumerians. Yeah, exactly. They're not. I mean, look at hieroglyphics and stuff like that. So it's uh, it is it's like a written language, but it's not really a written right. language. Yeah. yeah. So the Mochi civilization lived and flourished along the northern coast of Peru from the 1st to 8th century AD with their highest concentration of residents in the popular Trujillo region 
I love that. Yeah. Because it just makes me think of Danny Trejo yeah. every time. Yeah. Or or the bass player in Metallica now. Oh, yeah. His last name is Trejo. Trejo, yeah. Trejo. Is it Trejo? No, Trejo. T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. Well, that's that's his. <laughs> and the uh, Chicama Valley. Okay. Due to the riches of this land, which included access to sturdy clay and precious metals, the Moche civilization accumulated significant wealth and power during this pre-Incan period. At the foot of the Sierra Blanca Mountain, um, uh, Moche's capital city covered 300 hectares, or, oh. you want to know what that is, it's uh, roughly 3 million square meters of an opulent environment that offered residents a tight community of people. It is a large area. That's a lot. Um, and uh, storehouses, open plazas, and ramps for easy entry to multiple level structures. So they're, like, pretty advanced. Yeah. Yeah. The upper elite also planned fields surrounding the city, indicating a class-based society. Building this capital took the, Mo- uh, the Moches uh, 600 years to complete and involved no fewer than six construction phases. Jesus. Long time to get something yeah. done. Yeah. Like, listen, I'm probably not going to be around when you guys get this finished. However, there needs to be a bathroom on the first floor. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm tired of walking all the way upstairs. You know, like, come on. In addition, uh, in addition, the capital included two now famous pyramids, often open to uh, tourists today: the Huaca del Sol, which is Temple of the Sun. I saw a picture of that is fucking cool, man. Is it? And a, uh, a structure standing more than fifty meters in height and encompassing an area of three hundred and forty by one hundred and sixty meters. That's big. Yeah. And the Huaca de la Tuna, or de la Tuna, <laughs> de la Luna, not the fish, the temple of the fish. They have a sun temple and a fish temple. And a fish. No, it's the temple of the moon. Damn it. Built using millions of adobe bricks, which, if you know anything about Photoshop, is quite a real feat. <laughs> Researchers believe <laughs> both were used as prodig- uh, prodigious uh, religious tombs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the one the one that I saw the picture of uh, is is really cool looking. So, although monuments and temples remain for archaeologists to research today, most of the tangible objects left behind by the Moches were artistic, creative artifacts full of intricate designs and you no know, pops of bold color. Yeah, yeah. Considered skillful metal workers and adept potters, the Moches produced sophisticated headdresses. Oh my God! Did you just moan for bending over and getting a beer? Oh. Oh, high life is worth it, though. Yeah, there you go. Doctor says I need to back you out of me. Oh, my God. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, Moody's old. I am very old. We both have back problems. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. We both just sit here like, eh. Get it? There it is. God, I miss that noise on this show. I know. <laughs> I miss it. So, anyway, they um, they they were really good at, uh, you know, uh, metalworking, uh, adept potters. The, uh, they produced sophisticated headdresses made of real gold for the goddesses. Jewelry. Heavy as shit. Yeah. Jewelry of valuable metals, chest plates to show prestige, textiles for ornamentation and wardrobe, utensils for eating, and tools for working in the fields. Damn. Yeah. They were just awesome. In 780, the Moches moved their capital city to Pampa Grande in the uh, uh, Lamb- uh, Lambayeque. Right? I, what are you looking at me for? I'm I mean, fucking- all right. I'm going to go with that. Lambayeque Valley, approximately 40 miles from the uh, uh, Pacific Ocean. They constructed this city to include large pyramids and temples made of dirt using a method called chamber and fill, which, if you think about it, it allows you to, you know, use loose dirt to clump into cribbed walls. So there you, go. you have a chamber and you fill it. There you go. So it's pretty poignantly named. Yes. No one knows exactly why the Moche civilization eventually disappeared here. Many researchers believed 
El Nino caused substantial damage to the fields and irrigation system. I am El Nino. <laughs> Spanish for the, the Nino. Nino. I was I was actually gonna put an Il Nino uh, joke in there. Yeah, dude, when I was writing that, I I think I wrote Il Nino at least twice and had to like fix it. If you guys aren't familiar, uh, El Nino is a. Uh, uh, are they? They're from. Where are they from? I'm not even sure. I know a couple exactly. of the guys are from New York or whatever, yeah. but it's very uh, Spanish-based yeah. metal band. Yeah, yeah. And it's awesome. They're really. so good. God, Definitely Latin-based. Yeah, La- Latin-based. Not yeah, not Spanish. I guess that whatever. So anyway, uh, the El Nino here caused substantial damage or damage to the fields and irrigation systems as they found confirmation of flooding at every single ceremonial site. The chamber and fill approach appeared to actually hurt them significantly. Uh-oh. Archaeologists also think the Moches abandoned Pampa Grande quickly and as they left, set their city on fire. Burn it down and walk away, I baby. guess. But why? If we can't have it, no one right. can. But why would they do this? Well, the El Nino mentioned above is a prevailing theory. Um, it is said that it was... Uh, okay, are you guys ready for this? It wasn't just an El Nino. It was a... Oh, my God. Yeah. So, basically, the easiest way to describe it is that the Moche faced 30 years of flood condition, weather, and rain, followed by 30 years of drought conditions. Holy shit. Yeah, that sucks. Harsh. Uh, super harsh. Some say this led to an, uh, an issue with fertile uh, fertile soil. Fertile? Fertile soil. <laughs> it's got that fertile <laughs> soil. You guys come back, get some of that fertile soil? Hey, when I made it myself. As a woodsman, I'm pretty fertile myself. <laughs> So they were having an issue with their soil, and so the citizens couldn't really <laughs> dig, plant, and grow crops. And you kind of need that. Also, it would help. Yeah. Also, because of the El Nino theory, dramatic changes in the ocean's environment could also be one of the reasons why the Moche, an early pre-Columbian civilization in Peru, fell apart over um, a, a thousand years ago. Yeah. Okay. So everything's changing. Don't go changing. That was me. Yeah. I, I tap it, tap it. No, it was me. <laughs> no one is 100% sure what actually happened to the Moche. The Moche are not the only civiliza- uh, civilization to have disappeared without a discernible reason. They are scattered throughout history and the world from the um, uh, Az- uh, Aztalan civilization in the American West, which I don't know anything about those. Yeah, they're pretty cool. We got, we'll, we'll do some. Even, yeah. you, you've probably seen pictures of their, uh, I guess, ruins, I guess you would call them. They're the ones that like built uh, like buildings into the sides of mountains and shit out west. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, all the way to the inhabitants of Great Zimbabwe. Yeah, that one's cool, too, to talk about. Same kind of thing. Like, they had this big city, like, big stone city, all these big structures, and then that's gone. So the disappearances of civilizations is definitely an interesting topic overall, right? Yeah. So changing the tone a bit here, we're next going to uh, look at an airliner that disappeared from nine, uh, with, with 95 military personnel on board. Oh, my. Yeah. The Flying Tiger Line Flight 739, a Lockheed Super Constellation airliner, was scheduled to transport 96 military personnel from the U.S. to Vietnam and disappeared on March 16, 1962. So relatively, in in comparison to everything else we've talked about, fairly recent. Yeah, definitely the most recent so far. According to the military, the men were under orders to relieve soldiers in Saigon tasked with training Vietnamese troops to fight the Viet Cong guerrillas. As such, the flight was operated by the Military Air Transport Service, or MATS, M-A-T-S. Mm-hmm. A few stopovers were made along the route. Okay, one in Honolulu, one in Wake Island, and one finally in Guam. 
Guam. With nine and a half hours of fuel remaining, their final stretch was estimated to take around six hours. Sadly, they were never seen again. Oh my. Guam Center grew concerned when the flight failed to make its scheduled uh, position report at 1530. They attempted to contact the, air tra uh, the aircraft without luck. When the flight also failed to make its destination, a distress status was initiated and one of the largest search and rescue operations to date commenced. I mean, wow. it, it's a lot of people, but a lot of military it's people. military, yeah. You know? The search was conducted by the U.S. Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Marines and covered more than 200,000 square miles. Damn. That's crazy. Holy shit. It came up empty. Of course, that's why we're talking about it. And nearly 60 years <laughs> later, not oh, a, okay. <laughs> and not a trace of the flight has ever been found. And this one's got some cool little, like, things about it, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Not, not cool as in, like, oh, they're gone, yay. But, like, like weird, you know? Strangely, another MATS or MATS operated Super Connie in the Flying Tiger line, this one carrying secret military cargo, also met with tragedy that same day. Departing from the same airport at roughly the same time as Flight 739, Flight 7816 crashed during an attempted instrument approach to Attic Island in Alaska. Of the seven people on board, six crew members suffered minor injuries and one died after becoming trapped in the fire. But that's not a way I want to go, dude. No, sir. That is not a way I want no, to go. No, sir. The timing of the incident with Flight 739's disappearance raised many flags. Yeah, think about that. You've got the same kind of flying uh, outfit. Yep. Or the same, same line. Ship. Same, same. Uh, and yeah. then all of a sudden, one kind of just bursts in the flames, and then the other one just disappears. Mm -hmm. Seems sketchy. Just saying. The only potential clue to Flight 739's fate came from an uh, from onboard a Liberian tanker the SSTL Lindzen, where witnesses noticed vapor trails moving west and disappearing into a layer of cumulus clouds. A few seconds later, they observed a large two-pulse explosion followed by two fireballs falling from the sky at different speeds. The ship's radar flagged a target approximately 17 miles from its current position or roughly 500 miles off the coast of Guam. The location fell in line with the approximate flight path of 739. So search and rescue operations gave focus to that area, which would make sense. Right. It is in the, the remote Pacific Ocean, so it's a wonder that anyone witnessed the event at all. So they were out on a, uh, like a they tanker. Just, they just got lucky, basically. Yeah, they just they, looked they up were, like, oh, yeah. what's that? Uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So the idea of a Super Connie exploding mid-flight was too improbable for air, uh, aircraft experts to believe, leading many to the conclusion of sabotage. For one, the L... Uh, these ships or planes, I'm not even going to read that number, yeah. were not known to have any fuel problems or electrical issues near fuel tanks. Additionally, nothing on board would have been powerful enough to blow apart. So if the plane did explode, the theory says it would likely have been caused by impact with an external force such as a meteor. Okay. <laughs> more, more sinister or more sinisterly, a missile. Which would probably be a little more probable. Going meteor. Yeah, meteor. Yeah, you would. With the United States in the throes of the Vietnam and Cold Wars, proponents of the shoot-down theory have pointed toward the Soviet Union as a possible Those villain in this scenario. Fuckers. No, you know what? To be honest, I've actually known quite a few Russian and or you know Soviet Union mm -hmm. people, and they're beautiful people. They're amazing. I'm just sorry that their leader is a piece of shit. Yeah. Anyway. Man. But then again, they probably think the same thing about us. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, your guy can't even speak. How old? <laughs> what is his problem? 
He is old. Is that Yuri? Is Yuri back? Oh, hey! Hey, hey, hey. I come back. I hear you talk of Russia. Oh, yes, it's good I, to see I, you. I want to come. Look, I have new space room. It's been a long time, Yuri. Okay, yes, it, yes. Let's keep going. I have new space room. I was going to ask you about space rope. How's this, it going? This one? Yeah. Is made. Yeah. With pubic hair. Really? Yes. What is the advantage? It's very, very versatile. It's very what? Versatile. You can use a lot. Do different things. Versatile? That's what I say. Why you why you give I just I'm sorry, I was clarifying. In the best part? Yeah. I grow it myself. Really? I always have it. How long does it take to make your space rope out of your pubic hair? The first one should be done in about 2030. <laughs> oh, okay. But it's going to be fantastic. Yeah? Yes. Is it, uh, I mean, is it is it very usable? Like, you can actually use your pubic hair space rope? When, when it's done, I find out. How long is it right now? I can't use this rope. What is it like? I mean, it's more like uh, I use as a bookmark. Oh. So I read book. Okay. I put. Yes, I know what a bookmark is. Do you have pew bookmark? No, but I know what a bookmark is, yeah. Do you want pew bookmark? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, I go now. <laughs> so, okay. Assuming the explosion was unrelated here. All right. So assuming that they're saying that this had nothing to do with the other one. Another possibility is that the flight was hijacked and those on board taken hostage. However, the kidnappers would have likely made demands for the men's release at some point, and such demands never came, or were at least not made public knowledge. Kidnapping theories are common with disappearances of aircraft, including Malaysia Flight 370. Yes. That's the one that just happened recently, right? Yeah, not that long ago. Yeah. It just kind of disappeared. But they found they started finding pieces of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. sad. It's so sad. And extremely terrifying, <laughs> might yeah, I say. I know, right? Yeah, might I say, considering I'm going on a flight to Ireland coming up here soon. Yeah, well. Except no more masks. Uh, they just uh, they were just recommending. I just actually got a thing on there saying that the CDC was. I will throw my beer right in your face. I'm just saying they're they're trying to walk it back now. Are they really? Yeah. Why? Because. Anyway, for surviving family. Oh, what I wanted to say is. Um, Sorry about the the whole uh, kidnapping thing. Yeah. Um, is it possible that maybe somebody hijacked the plane? Mm -hmm. They didn't get a chance to get a uh, distress signal off. Mm -hmm. And, of course, these are military people. Is it possible that maybe the guy up there thought he was going to hijack them and ask for demands, but then they tried to, like, you know, get at him, and so he just blew the thing up? Uh, it's, it's like possible. a suicide bomber yeah, kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's possible. I mean, you never know. I don't know. That just seems kind of whatever. I mean, so, I'm sure there's. I'm sure they've thought of all that. No, I'm sure. Stuff, you know? I mean, have they really though? I'm much smarter. We might have just solved another case. See, that's again. So, for surviving families, the most popular theory has always been that the men were part of a secret military operation gone awry. This is supported by claims that they left behind important items such as their IDs and wedding bands and gave long drawn out goodbyes as if they knew they were not coming back. Okay, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's weird. Ooh. Yeah. Still desperate for answers, some family members recently attempted to submit their DNA to the military database used to identify bodies found abroad. Of course they should. That's amazing. They yeah. should have something like that. Absolutely. Well, of course, the government denied those requests, citing legal wow, reasons. Wow, that's fucked up. It's bullshit is what it is. Yeah. It has also uh, denied decades of pleading to have the servicemen's names added to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall. Holy shit. Remaining adamant that they were never part of any war mission. 
So if they add them to the wall, then they have to admit that they were part of. Yeah, the, they're basically admitting that it was right. Which is just, oh. just put them on the fucking wall. Who gives? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but didn't they say that they were supposed to go to Vietnam to train soldiers? Right, but they weren't part of actual warfare. Well, or were they? Yeah. You know what I mean? So maintenance problems had already been addressed while the plane was in Guam, but it's rare for a mechanical issue to cause an explosion, though it can't be completely ruled out. Likewise with sabotage. Well, sabotage. <laughs> it's not like, yo, it's a sabotage. Uh, while neither option can be dismissed entirely, there's no evidence that either of them actually happened. So the missile theory is also very speculative. Spe- speculative. Speculative. Particularly. <laughs> if an enemy had chosen to shoot down this flight, who would it have been? Soviet Union, which was a Cold War adversary, was the only other nation capable of downing a high-flying plane mid-ocean. In other words, the Vietnam didn't have that. They didn't have yeah, yeah. missile shooters to do the only, that. Well, the only people that could have done it was the Ruskies. Right. But why would the Soviets have done it? Because they're assholes. And why in such a remote expanse of the Pacific? There's no clear motive and no evidence to support such a claim. A more likely explanation is the explosion of ordnance accidentally or as an act of sabotage by some unknown actor aboard the secret military flight. All right. So they're saying that either. Like ammunition or some sort of. Yeah. Something like that. They set off a bomb or something. So in late 2020, surviving uh, family members. Wow. My mouth. Thank you. Highlight. Surviving family members constructed a monument in South Portland, Maine, honoring the servicemen of Flight 739. And we got most of this uh, this from uh, the article from uh, planeandpilotmag.com. Yeah, the article's really cool. Man. It sounds awesome. There's actually, I kind of like, I like I like to snoop around these websites when I get when I find a good article about something. And there's actually a lot of really cool shit on that website. Really? Yeah. Like what? <clears throat> just the article. It's just about the planes and about different, so like shit like this, like the missions and just like mysteries and Obviously, like random stuff. Like, if you want to know about certain planes and shit, you can find it on there. It's oh, a cool website. Look at you. It's cool. If you're into planes, planes, trains, and automobiles, <laughs> throw Mama from the train. It's a good one too. I haven't seen that in forever. Jeez. All right, so now it's time for some of your favorites. We know you guys like the little quick hitters here. Yeah, man. So there's the <clears throat> SS Warra. Oh boy, nope. Warata. I think it's Warath. It's W A R A T A H. Oh, what? Warata. <laughs> Probably. Warata? No, but it's spelled in here multiple times that way. Oh, okay, maybe uh, maybe I missed. I'm thinking of it wrong then. Yeah, so in July 1909, the SS Warata was heading for Cape Town, South Africa, on its way back from Melbourne, Australia, making oh. a scheduled stop in Durban, uh, Durban on the way. It was you, carrying just over. Just real quick, the Warata yeah. is actually a plant. Is it? It's well, that's probably why they called it Australian that. endemic genus of... Five species of large shrubs or small trees. Well, there you go. Native to the southeastern parts of Australia. So this is the SS Australian shrub. <laughs> is that why would you it's, name your? I guess. So, why would you dude. name your ship that? Anyway, yeah. it was carrying over two hundred people, both path passengers, <laughs> fuck passengers and crew. There's, the, there's that list again. <laughs> You're lifting. You're lifting. <laughs> ah, both passengers and crew. But as it, I say passengers all the time, and I messed it up right there. But as it left port to complete its journey, oh, one passenger elected to remain behind. Oh. Yeah. Engineer Claude Sawyer had made many journeys by sea, and he was so concerned by the behavior of this brand new ship that he disembarked in Durban and sent <laughs> a message to his wife describing the ship as top-heavy. 
The Waratah left port at 8 a.m. on July 26th and headed into rough seas for its journey to Cape Town. At 6 a.m. the following day, it overtook another ship, the Clan McIntyre, and exchanged signals. So overtook as in like it went ahead of it. Yeah, it went around. It went around yeah. They were heading the same way and it was like, yeah, we'll go was like, around. Meep, meep, to your left. Meep, meep. You know, yeah. <laughs> guys yell out, hey, <laughs> where are you guys headed? We're going to Cape Town. All right, man, we'll see you there. <laughs> you see that, that wood? What is it? Fuck you. No, fuck you. <laughs> hey, Tony. <laughs> That's what it is. Hey, what? <laughs> oh, man. Don't you say nothing about my mother. Don't bring my mom into this. <laughs> yeah. So before the Waratah disappeared in the distance is when this happened, never to be seen or heard from again. So in other words, this other ship saw them. They were actually like, you know, and went around and then all of a sudden they're gone. According to the master of a vessel called the Clan McIntyre, which we just talked about, when the Waratah passed him, his ship was sailing into nine meter waves and a violent storm. Two ships later claimed to have seen bodies and debris in the water. However, nothing was ever actually recovered. An expedition sponsored by author Clive Cussler claimed to have found the ship in the 1980s. However, when the searchers eventually uh, reached the wreck, they actually discovered a World War II transport vessel instead. So the mystery of the SS Waratah's fate still remains. Pretty wow. crazy. So was it was uh, obviously a bigger ship than the one they passed? Is that what was, was it? An old, old. <laughs> Is that what it was? They, it was I, just a bigger ship? I guess. Or did the, the guy who was, he's not a pilot, captain, there it is. <laughs> the captain kind of, I don't know, just thought he could cut through that storm. Probably. Yeah, that one sounds like they probably bought it. We yeah. got this shit, bitch. Yeah. Hey, here's those Astalons. A- 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 oh, I did put it in there. Yeah. What is it? As- Azatlon, I think. Azatlon. Astalon? Astalon? As- sure. Indians. Just outside the small town of Lake Mills in south central Wisconsin. The oh, banks- no, no. This is a different one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. On the banks of the Crawfish River. Woo! Woo! Lie the remains of a Native American city called Aztalan. The Wisconsin settlers who discovered it in 1836 named it Aztalan due to a misplaced assumption that the Native Americans who lived there had a connection to the Aztecs. That's kind of cool. The ancient city contained stepped pyramids, conical mounds, evidence of housing, fishing and farming, and even a substantial defensive stockade wall containing up to 30 watchtowers. Damn. And according to local legend, they even built large stone pyramids in the bottom of what's now called Rock Lake in Lake Mills. But the valley was later flooded, meaning that evidence to prove this legend, you know, it's it's pretty hard to come by. So at its peak, Aztalan uh, would have been occupied by around 500 people between 700 to 1,000 years ago. Okay? But at some point after 1300 AD, the site was mysteriously abandoned and no one really knows why. According to an article published by Wisconsin Natural Resources Magazine, which is awesome, they have a magazine that's just Wisconsin. I'm just going to have a just a, a magazine. It's like John's Black Curtains. <laughs> so anyway, according to this magazine, evidence points to a few different theories about their fate. A lack of resources, drought, and violence from other nearby Native American settlements. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds familiar to the, uh, the Brazilian one. Mm-hmm. Despite a very obvious intention of these early West Wisconsinites to remain... Nothing says I am staying like a large defensive wall. They're now uh, nothing more than local history and legend. So there's another one there. You know? Yeah. That's, that's not the same ones you're talking about? No. The other one is, I'm, I'm trying to look. Have... Well, then now there's the Roman. Maybe knife. that is the same one. There's yeah. another one. Um, Let me just interrupt. I think I, I think I wrote the wrong name in earlier when I 
I think I wrote the wrong name. Oh, well then. Yeah, no, I fucked up. Yeah, that's, fucked that's up. fine. It's fine. It happens. I fucked up. So the 9th Legion was a Roman military formation of around 5,000 soldiers stationed in York in northern England during Rome's occupation of Britain. This unit maintained control of the wild inhabitants of what would later become northern England and Scotland. In 108 AD, an inscription in the city of York places the Legion in the city. However, 50 years later, when a new record of the Legion was uh, completed, no mention of the 9th appeared. What could have happened to erase the ex existence of 5,000 soldiers? Well, nobody really knows why we're talking about it. According to a Roman writer, many Roman, sol Roman, Roman soldiers were killed in Britain at the beginning of the uh, second century, necessitating several reinforcements. This included the arrival of a new legion, the 6th, in 122 AD, which took up residence in the now presumably empty York. No records describe the 9th Legion's fate. Some theories suggest the legion was simply sent elsewhere, which kind of makes sense though there's little evidence to support this. Meanwhile, Emperor Hadrian visited the British Isles at the beginning of the 2nd century. To take control of the Britain on Roman violence, he ordered the construction of a 73-mile-long, 15-foot-high fortified wall across the island to keep the invaders out of Roman territory. And you don't go doing that unless you've got a good reason. Yeah. You know, like, say you lost an entire 5,000-person legion. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to keep them in here. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened, but build me a wall. <laughs> we'll just call it a pen. Can we just build a pen <laughs> to just keep everyone in? The last time. 5,000 is a lot, Bill. It's a lot. You just, just build a pen. It's fine. So Hadrian's wall still stands today. However, there's still no sign of the ultimate fate of the Ninth Legion and there probably never will be. Wow. Yeah, 5,000. That's the, the biggest on our list so far. Correct. Yeah. Uh, really quick. Yeah. The uh, So the uh, it's the Anasazi is the uh, the ones. So I, isn't I, miss, that, I is, miswrote. Isn't that a, that's a comedian, isn't it? From Parks and no, Rec? That's Aziz Ansari. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Uh, no, so I, I, miss, uh, I miswrote. Okay. Because I had so it's the Anasazi. The okay. Anasazi is the American. When I said that it was a civilization from the American West, that's the Anasazi. Okay. Yeah. Now we got it. Yeah. So now we're on to the SS Poet. The SS Poet was a former World War II troop transport that was mothballed for 20 years after the war, meaning it just sat around. Yeah, yeah. Before being bought and converted to carry cargo. Cool. Uh, which is, there are so many uh, ship graveyards out mm. there like you'd think they'd be repurposing yeah. those you know because i guess probably it probably costs so much money to, to do that though well, the reason that they're sitting there is because it costs so much to destroy them and dismantle them see you would think that they could just drag them out to sea and sink them yeah, i don't know why they don't do that i don't know that's weird but i mean like you can look up online google and you could see like huge, oh yeah it's huge crazy. things of just just ships yeah, everywhere yeah. old wooden ships <laughs> So, considered old but sturdy, in October of 1980, the ship had an experienced crew of 34 men, including the captain, who'd, who'd actually uh, been at sea for 41 years, when it mysteriously disappeared. On the morning of October 24th, 1980, the SS Poet sailed from Philadelphia with a load of corn bound for Egypt, oh. where it was due to arrive on November 9th. As it paced, uh, paced, as it passed Cape... I gotta stop reading ahead. <laughs> My mind can't do that. <laughs> Look, it just... You're reading As, faster than you're talking. Exactly. As it passed Cape Henlopen later the same morning, the poet sent its last message before heading out into the Atlantic and into history. The following day, a storm blew up in the North Atlantic with 30-foot waves. Wow. Oh, crap. 
and 60 mile per hour winds. But for a ship like the Poet, that shouldn't have really mattered. Right. She was old and sturdy. Yeah. When the storm finally passed, it left behind no trace of the Poet. No debris and no distress signal was ever heard. A popular explanation for the loss proposes an undiscovered hull leak that would have caused the, sh- uh, the ship to become unstable and, and you know, founder in the bad weather. It, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. sink. Mm-hmm. It's not good. However, with no evidence to back up that, uh, you know, the fingers were soon pointed at the owner who had failed to report the ship missing for several days after losing contact and at the Coast Guard who didn't begin to search for another four days after that. Well-built ships with experienced crews don't just vanish without cause. But that doesn't mean we'll, you know, we'll never, ever know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we got those from uh, an article from grunge.com. Yeah. Which is j- usually just about Nirvana the whole time, right? <laughs> <laughs> And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? Ta-da! So we are going to be talking about, in our movie section tonight, we're going to be talking about the 10 best missing persons movies to oh, watch. Oh, okay. See, I like yes. this. I didn't know what you were doing. So this yes. is going to be a, this is a surprise to me. Yes. Missing person. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Does uh, <laughs> it involve the woodsman? The woodsman. Is the woodsman there anywhere? So number 10 on our list, in, uh, this is coming from ScreenRant.com. Okay. Number 10 is Changeling from 2008. I've heard of it. All right. I uh, have not seen. Did we talk about Changelings? Do you remember that? We have talked about Changelings. We had an episode. Yeah. Like, go back and listen to it. Listen to what? Not you. Oh. The listeners. <laughs> go back and listen to our episode. I was like, you, you talking, talking about it. You talking to me? No. You, you, Why would I talk to you? Oh. Kind of hard. Anyway, so this one looks like it. Uh, it's, it's so ang- am I. <laughs> what? That's kind of hard. That's a so am I. The woodsman. <laughs> <laughs> that is so messed up. <laughs> it sounds like it should be a shirt, though. It should. It the, should. The it woodsman should, yes, shirt. it should be a, a shirt for sure. <laughs> the, wo- the woodsman. They call me the woodsman. <laughs> woodsman. <laughs> anyway, so this is the Changeling from 2008, inspired by true events. Changeling follows Christine Collins or Angelina Jolie, a mother who loses her son. Her prayers are answered when he's uh, returned home alive. However, the problem is he isn't her son. Christine claims her son is still missing, yet the cops consider her delusional, so she's forced to take matters into her own hands. To be honest, that's happened quite often, like uh, in, in throughout history, where like somebody will get their kid back, and it's like that's not my child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's actually directed by Clint Eastwood. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. So it says it's a very different missing persons movie in that while the film's crux is about abduction, a large focus is on Collins, who claims she's been returned the wrong son in an age where men did not listen to women, but instead disempowered them. For her performance, Jolie was nominated for the Best Actress Oscar. I've never even heard of that damn movie. Yeah. Huh. I've heard of it. I've, I've never seen it, though. I have never heard of it. Number uh, nine on the list is Winter's <clears throat> Bone. <laughs> From 2010. Starring the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the novel Winter's Bone features uh, an amazing star. Sure it's bone, it's not supposed to be Bane. It's Bone. Winter's Bone features an amazing star-making performance from uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Hey, that put her at the top of the A list. 
Set in the Ozarks, Lawrence plays Ree, a teenager who runs her household, but is unfortunately about to lose it, and her father has gone missing. So she sets out on a journey through the Missouri winter to find him in order to save the house. Along the way, she has to encounter and question unsavory characters about his whereabouts. Like the wood. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, number eight, you've seen this one. Breakdown. Breakdown. Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A taut thriller from director Jonathan Mostow. Breakdown follows Jeff, a.k.a. Kurt Russell. A man who loses his wife after their car breaks down in the middle of nowhere while on a cross-country road trip. What follows is a frantic search for her in a full or a town full of people who may have a hand in her disappearance. Ooh. Uh, number seven, uh, Flight Plan. Have you seen that one? I have not. I know the movie. I haven't seen it. Jodie Foster? Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Kid goes missing like on the fl- on the plane or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. There you go. He just told you what it was. All right. Number uh, <laughs> six, Gone Baby Gone. I haven't seen that one either. Uh, it's uh, Casey Affleck. I heard it's pretty decent, though. Yeah, it's uh, directed by Ben Affleck in his directorial debut. Gone Baby Gone follows a Boston private investigator, who Casey Affleck, as he desperately tries to find a young girl and return her to a uh, her single mother, oh. uh, who is Amy Ryan. Okay. The case forces him to investigate the unsavory characters in his own uh, neighborhood and even his fellow cops. So there you go. I don't know, have I seen that? I don't think I have. I've definitely heard of it. I just I've never seen it though. No, because I get that confused with Gone Girl. Never seen that one either. That one's cool. That one's cool. Eh, I mean, it's it's okay. I know of it. Never seen it. It's a uh, Ben Affleck as well. Yeah. 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 Number five. I don't think I've seen this, and I'm kind of like irked that I haven't. Um, it's Frantic from 1988. I've seen this. You have? It's been a long fucking time, but I remember watching this movie. So it's Harrison Ford. Yeah. The Wild uh, Conference in Paris. Come on, you know, like from the Bare Naked Ladies song. Like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Oh, is that where it comes from? There you go, buddy. See, I didn't know. I'd never yeah. seen it. Um, so his uh, wife is abducted, and now the worried husband must navigate through a city he doesn't know, a language he doesn't speak, and contend with its criminal underworld in order to try and find his missing wife. Directed by Roman Polanski. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by, by the way, one of these days, I, I kind of have a new theory. Oh, about Roman and the Sharon Tate and the uh, Charlie Manson thing. Mm-hmm. I have a new theory. You think he was in on it? Um, kind of. Yes. There, there's a lot of weird discrepancies and mm-hmm. nuances and stuff yeah. with that that I think that he. I don't know if he necessarily had a hand in it, but he definitely knows more than he. he yeah. Yeah. He. Sh- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm just saying, it's kind of goes into this house. They go to this house. He's happens to be out of town. You know, I don't know. There's just a, a lot to it. But anyway, yeah. I'm allegedly. 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 Correct. Number four, Searching from 2018. Using the unique approach of taking. Isn't that the dude from Harold and Kumar? I believe that's. What? I don't know. It's tough to tell. That's Harold. If it is, it's an old. It's, he's old in that. He looks old as fuck if that's him. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like it. Well, 2018. I don't know if that's him or not. Yeah. I can't tell. Using the unique approach of taking place entirely through a computer screen. Searching follows one father's, uh, John Cho, uh, journey to find his missing daughter by using her computer. Seemingly the next step in the evolution of found footage films. Searching uh, their story is told via websites, files, and video chats on the missing girl's computer. Oh, that sounds actually kind of cool. That is him, by the way. Is it? Yeah. So John Cho is his name? Yes. That just, that's just Harold, man. Number three is Missing from 1982. This has a one Jack Lemon and a one Sissy Spacek. Nice. Yeah. What is this? Uh, missing. Okay. Uh, based on the true story, Missing follows a father and his daughter-in-law 
who must work together despite their political differences in order to find his son and her husband who disappeared during an American-backed coup in Chile. Hmm. There you go, 1982. Number two is Prisoners. Not familiar. Hugh Jackman. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, uh, Hugh Jackman is living a parent's worst nightmare when his daughter and her friend are seemingly abducted. After the police release their only suspect, Keller takes matters into his own hands to try and find the kids using whatever means possible, including some pretty disturbing methods. I mean, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, for sure. If I found out my kid was missing, dude, I'd fuck people up. Oh, yeah. Until I got him back. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. I have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good, though. And number one Numero on our list. Uno. This is 1938. Oh. Uh, the Lady Vanishes. Wonder what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> Considered the quintessential missing person movie, The Lady Vanishes follows passengers aboard a train who seek to find a missing woman that many on board claim to have never existed. Oh. The film was expertly crafted by master director Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, it's a Hitchcock movie. All right. And remains one of his most suspenseful and thrilling films. I'm going to have to check that one out. Lady Vanishes was so successful that Hollywood came calling for Hitchcock, and he would make his next films in the United States. So he was he was English, huh? Yeah. Huh. He was something. I don't know. I thought he was from like... He was a dude, man. I thought he was from like Georgia or something. Georgia? Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. My name is Alfred Hitchcock. I'm from. I'm here to make movies. Y'all yeah. like birds? I'm gonna make a really scary movie about birds. I'm gonna make a movie about birds. Y'all, y'all like windows? You like, y'all like windows? You like, about, how about a window in the back of the house? Yeah, I can do one in there too. Hey, 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 hey! You ever have vertigo? You ever take a shower? <laughs> You ever take a shower with someone with a knife? <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. I got all sorts of ideas. It's going to be good stuff. Dude, I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid, the birds kind of messed me up. It was fucking crazy back then. It was man. a great movie, though. Like, because every great. time you walk outside, you're going to be like, oh. Exactly. Like, are they going to get I, me? Now, every, now I feel like that movie was just about Canadian geese. Ugh. Speaking of... Dude, fuck those. I things. hate geese so much. So my wife left the windows Canada, open. Canada, I like you, but fuck your geese. Yeah, bro. your geese can suck a duck. So we were, uh, we were. Um, she left the windows open last night, and it got a little brisk, you know. Then all of a sudden, guess what? I wake up to in the backyard. What's that? I'm like, I'm grabbing my gun. I'm gonna kill these damn geese. Of course, I wouldn't do that unless you're anti-geese, like I am. And then maybe I would. Anyway, so those were the movies. We hope you enjoyed this episode as we talked about mass disappearances. Yeah, it was... Uh, so what do you think? Any, any validity to any of those? I mean, the two the two that are like, you know, obviously there's the two that they say may not have happened, which is the uh, the one up in Canada there, the Anjakuni or whatever it is, and then the hurdy-furdy. The Maybe the geese. Oh, fuck, Got him. Yep. Wasn't the woodsman? It was the geese. Yep. All right. That's it. Fuck those geese. Those those two though are those are weird. Um, those, yeah. The herdiverda one. I don't. I honestly don't know if that one's real or not. Herdiverda. <laughs> but it's a cool story. It is a very cool um, story. The rest of them, man. I don't know, man. That's it's weird. Because like the especially like the ships. Well, they're all because, real uh, aside from no, those no, two. Like they're right. all real. Those it's like what actually happened though. Things. Yeah. Right. So like the ships, man. It's like how the fuck. How do you lose a ship and there's no evidence of it? <laughs> exactly. 
Like if it went down, there's got to be some fucking yeah, evidence. Yeah, there's got to be something. Right? There. Yeah. It's so weird. So I is I just reading some of these was crazy, man. Like there's so there was a bunch more that I that I thought were really cool. A lot of them were uh like dealt with like the old ancient civilizations and stuff. Yeah. Which weren't necessarily like uh like how the planes and stuff just disappeared like out of thin air like you know, that's some of those take over longer periods of time. But it's interesting to me that like, you have an entire civilization of people and just have no fucking idea what wh- who they were, what they were, where they went, why they left, where they, you know what I mean? Like, they're just, yeah. there's, all there is is, like, a building from a couple thousand years ago that you found buried under a bunch of dirt. And, like, you have no fucking idea what happened. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing to, to predicate what happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Especially some of those, like, like, like the one that we talked about, like those big, like those were fucking massive civilizations. Yeah, that's big. And then they're just gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I mean, I, of course you think it's aliens, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely. Uh, well, with the civilization things, I don't. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of explanations as far as like you know, they could have up and left because like like that one they thirty years of flood, thirty years of drought. They, yeah, they had, they that fuck, sucks. You know, like they just had to go somewhere else. So like maybe they integrated into like because. They talk about that was a pre-Incan civilization. Yeah. Maybe it kind of integrated into the Incan civilizations. You know what right. I'm saying? Like you just it's it's hard. It's hard to figure out, but it's just crazy that there's no knowledge of what happened. I'm more uh sketched out about the uh like the the, the plane, the Viet- the Vietnamese plane one. Yeah. That one how Fuck did like, it go? They have they have no idea. Like no idea. No nothing happened. Yeah, one person that says, Well, I think I saw this. And, and if that's the case, if they if they got a report that they saw an explosion, you'd think that there'd be some fucking debris somewhere. Right. Yeah, and there was nothing. Like, just gone. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I don't know. Good good topic. Good topic. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, you did, you did, you did good, kid. Thanks, man. Yeah. So listen, make sure to stop over to our official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com, and tell us how much you liked that episode. I liked it a Get lot. on the socials and tell us. I liked like, it a lot. Did, did you think that aliens took everybody? I think so. Yeah. We know what you think. We want to know what they think. You know what? There might have been like a, a Yeti or something up in Canada. Fucked up those people. He's the geese. Yeah. Might have been that killer Yeti from Alaska that came over and. I don't know. I still blame it on the geese. <clears throat> Fuck. It's like those a family geese. of those fuckers that live outside my work. Every time I walk <sighs> out the door, I'm just like, I'm fight some motherfuckers. The ones across the street, I flip off every morning on my way to work. <laughs> I do the same. I, I walk out of work, I'm like, oh. yeah. Just drive by. I'm just like, mm-hmm. anyway, at our website, you can also buy yourself some super sweet <laughs> merchandise. Like the upcoming, it should be up there here in the next uh, week or so, um, uh, the America's second, second favorite, favorite podcast. podcast. Uh, the shirt's pretty awesome. The little girl holding the trophy, dude. It's so <laughs> she funny. She looks so sad, too. <laughs> it's so good. So hopefully that'll be up soon. You can also get over there and get like uh, all, all kinds of t-shirts. The Don't Be a Salvo shirt's a big one. Uh, you can get the switch, so, dude, switch that's blade a wielding. That's a conversation. Starter. Of course it is. I've had so many people ask me about that shirt. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Like, dude, what is with that shirt? I'm just like, hey, it's funny. You should ask. <laughs> so yet, uh, yet we have no new listeners. I don't know. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> so um, you can also get like hat, hats, phone cases, all kinds of stuff. So get over there and support yeah. the show by getting yourself some merchandise. Uh, also, you can check out our sponsors like Dr. Squatch. So, Dr. Squatch. Of course, they're changing the way that men approach Love hygiene it. by providing all natural, high quality, healthy products. Jeff just sent me a text yesterday. He's like, just got the Batman one. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So that's dude. awesome. Yeah, did get yourself use, some good did soap. Did he use man. the code? 
Yeah, I believe so. Fucking yep. A right. Yeah, get over there, get yourself some uh, some good soap because it's good, it smells good, it's made with the the finest all-natural ingredients. Ladies, your men will love it. Yep, get 20% off your first subscription. Just head on over to the, the midnighttrainpodcast.com, click on sponsors, and go down there and just click on the little code thingy. And it's oh, not just oh, for bam. guys either. The ladies no. love it too. It's Mother's ladies Day coming love up. It. That'd be a good Mother's Day. Get uh, get some of the uh, the lighter scents for your, for your lady. Yeah. There you go. In worst case scenario, get the really heavy grain one and I then like do your dishes with it <laughs> because some of those are like heavy grain. I love so it though. Good, I know you so, I, you feel clean when you're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you really do feel yeah, clean. It's exfoliating. Yes. Get all the dead skin off. Except the, the coffee one where you look down and there's literal coffee grounds on the bottom of your That's shower. That's what I'm using right now. Yeah. And you that, like one it? Is, that one is rough as shit. Yeah. It's good though. Yeah. I like it. The smell isn't too overpowering. Yeah. So it's kind of like mild, but it's not bad. So if you like what you heard from us, and we hope you do, if you're new here, cool. If you're if you're not, and you've been here for a while, listen, consider being a producer of the show. Get on over there. Sign up for all the bonuses and all the cool stuff for five bucks a month. You get all kinds of bonuses. You get all kinds of cool stuff. And seriously, it goes back into the show over and over again. Yeah. And, and Moody and, and I, we really want to forge. So We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> make midnight train knives. That's right. We get a forge. We can make midnight train knives. Right. Anyway, hey, you know what? That'd be a sweet Patreon. Gift. That would be a absolutely Mid, that would. a hand forged midnight train uh, pocket knife. Not that it'll ever happen, but and right. plus we would never use your hard earned money to buy anything other than highlight. <laughs> anything other than, than beer? Yeah, that's that's pretty much no, no. Of course not. It goes right back into the show. I promise you that. And uh, we do have some people that do send us, you know, money via pay- PayPal yeah, and whatnot for beer money, which you can just, you know, send us some, send a little money for beer money. You know, beer we're, money. We're drinking. Cheers. Oh yeah. Hey, Cheers. by the way, this would have to be a, a beer gift right now that yep. we're drinking some there high life, high leafa. Mm-hmm. So listen, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify. Of course, please go to Spotify. Rate us over there. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Wherever yes. you're listening right now, give us a rating. Five stars would be great. Tell your friends about us, please, and thank you. Also, I do have another podcast, uh, Icons Not Laws. The music podcast just dropped its first episode this past Sunday. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I like. Did you listen to it? Uh, I started it. Yeah? I'm going to finish it on the way home. Okay. It's fun. It's a good time. Yeah. It's, it's a good time. I go yeah, yeah. really deep into the in, uh, into the, uh, the the topics we're talking about and the people yeah. we're talking about. And but, I, like, I like that you guys are still using some of my stuff, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes me feel good. Absolutely. It makes me feel and good. I, I even put in the notes that you... Uh, that you had oh, a hand yeah? in it. Oh, all yeah. Right. yeah. That's good. Ab- absolutely. Very nice. Yeah. So, listen, we can't thank you all enough for all the love and support we've received. You passengers do keep this train a-moving. I promise you. Thank you all so much for listening. A very special thank you. What? Uh-oh. You know what else they deserve? What? They deserve my joke for the day. Oh, we almost forgot the joke. Did forget. You almost okay. forgot. Go ahead. All right. You ready for this one? Probably not, but go ahead. <laughs> He's already laughing. This is like the last time he fucked up the punchline. <laughs> so... What's the best thing about Switzerland? Their cheese. I don't know, but their flag's a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. That's that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I like it. That's good. That's good. That's what we're doing now, huh? We're having oh, yeah. the corny jokes at the end. Oh, yeah. I love every, it. I love it. Every episode, you're yeah. getting one. I'm, I'm super excited about that. <laughs> so listen, a very huge thank you <laughs> to our executive producer, Patreon poopers, Zachary Danielson, 
Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Hank Sanchez, Stacey Lukonen, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKenney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Albert Lopez, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunselman, Margaret Atkins, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Turner Cox, Mac Darty, Sydney Sayer, Janet Sherell, Gina Madison, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast, yeah. Christina Skelton and Jessica Bartlett from the Sister Skelton Podcast, Maria Gibbs, Chainsaw, what the fuck, Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabinek, and of course our boy Bill Burtz. Oh, good for you! I got through it all without fucking up. Very nice. Yeah, man. you see that. That's that why good, I, I, when I stop and, and like, of course you should go check out the Fun Box podcast with Rob, Absolutely. and of course you should the check out skeleton. the Sister Skeleton. Very good. But stuff. I just wanted to get through it to see if I could do it. You did. I did. It was great. I'm feeling pretty. pretty you should hold your head up a little higher. Pretty jazzed. I can't. My mic's all the way down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so seriously, thank you guys so much. You honestly have no idea how much it means to me personally, but to both of us. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's just awesome, and that you guys. The fact that there's people out there that that like what we do that much. Right. Is, it blows my mind. We've been getting a lot of new people in the uh, the group on Facebook, which is I've, super I've fun. I've noticed. It's good. I'm loving uh, a lot of the, uh, the 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 posts from everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you posted something today about the, the, the ways to die, right? Yeah. Was that you? It was like the worst ways to die according to science. 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 <laughs> science! <laughs> it's poetry in motion. I didn't get a chance to look at it, so what was number one? Uh, it didn't really have like a... It wasn't really like in a... Like an order or whatever. Hmm. So... It was so, like explosive decompression from like ooh, coming it, up like too coming fast up from the like, like stuff like that. Like, yeah, was, yeah. Did you? And there's a video. You guys want to really? I'm going to leave you on this. <laughs> there's a video that you can go on if you search it. It's with a guy that's on an oil rig, and basically the pressure down there, yeah, is so great mm-hmm. that, um. There was like a crack that started cracking or whatever. Oh, um, let's just say this little like crack sucked him out of it. Ooh. It completely like from a movie like just eviscerated him. And this is like a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, like it legit happened. You can look it up. It's it's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing, and it's pretty disturbing. So. In saying that, stay safe out there, passengers. Oh, my God. And as always, <laughs> choo-choo, motherfucker. I'll go home and get your fucking shine box.